You're listening to the Art Cityscape. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Art Cityscape podcast. I know it's been a while. I'm excited to be back. Uh, We have a special episode today about water. Uh, We asked several weeks ago on Instagram for people to send in questions regarding anything they wanted in the city, and many of the questions were about water. I think with spring time approaching, a drought last year, and uh, another mild winter, it's something that's on a lot of people's minds. We had the mayor, new mayor, Matt Packard, sit down with Public Works Director Brad Stapley, and the two discussed water, and in particular, they answered questions such as, where does our water come from? and how well we are prepared to handle future drought and growth. I think you'll learn a lot. I know I did. Uh, Here's that conversation. So this is Mayor uh, Matt Packard and Brad Stapley with Public Works in Springville City, and we wanted to take a moment and talk a little bit about water. Uh, That's one of the major questions that we seem to get from people, and so we wanted to take a moment and maybe explain where water comes from, about water rights, the capacity of water in Springville, and then the distribution of Springville and how it, it all works. With the drought conditions that uh, the state's having, and in the western United States, we wanted to take this time to be able to explain uh, the water situation in Springville and how it affects each one of you. So I just want to introduce this, and we're very grateful for the chance to have uh, Brad with us uh, and uh, for his expertise in helping us understand kind of how water, water works. Now, uh, Brad, just explain a little bit to the citizens, help them understand kind of where our water comes from. I always have thought of it comes from um, springs and also wells, but is that the case? And maybe you can explain what springs we have and, and uh, how they work as far as the cycle goes, and maybe explain also wells and where they're located and, and uh, just your thoughts on the wells that we do have. So. So similar to various of the communities along the Wasatch Front, Springville City has different sources of drinking water. And we'll talk about drinking water first, and that is we have the wells, like you spoke of. We have about seven wells. And we also have springs up in the mountains on the, on the eastern side there. And through the springs and wells, we're able to supply the community with the adequate needs of the community for drinking water. Um, the springs, the way, we, the way that we work the springs are is we take the lowest flow that we've ever had, which actually was the summer of 2003. And so when we do our planning, we always base it on those lowest flows. And then we have the wells that are more constant that we can pull from during the summer months when the springs start to taper off a little bit. So help uh, maybe the citizens understand how the flows happen in in the uh, actual springs, that there are times in which there's not as much water coming out as opposed to other times. How do springs work and how does the city utilize that? It's interesting with the springs because what happens is um, one of two things. In the spring runoff, when the snow is melting, some of the springs really peak, and they'll go up to 10,000 gallons per minute. But then during, as they get closer to the summer, they taper off. But we do have one spring up, um, Spring Creek, that actually peaks in August. Mm. And so it's interesting because that one obviously is fed more deeply in the ground, you know, where the groundwater is moving slower. And so we collect those, those waters underground. They never reach the surface. And with that, we put them into collection pipes into our, into our system, bring them down through a penstock down Hobble Creek Canyon or Spring Creek Canyon that takes them to the various places where we have storage tanks. 
So to help the citizens understand where these wells are located, the actual locations, and and uh, and uh, why you put them there. The wells mm-hmm. and the springs? Or I'm sorry, just the wells. Just the wells. Yeah. So the wells are typically located on the east side of the community. Um, the reason for that is that we're finding that the groundwater quality is better on the east side. As you get closer to the lake, you start to get iron and manganese, which kind of people don't like because it turns their dishes orange and it tastes bad. So we go there on the east side, and they're about 700 feet deep. We have wells of various sizes. Um, Typically, they range anywhere from about 1,500 gallons per minute to almost 4,000 gallons per minute. And we pull from those and put them directly into our distribution system, which either pushes them into tanks or actually goes out to the users as they're using it. So, for example, as we've had drought, or we have drought conditions, and there's not as much snowpack, the springs don't run as much, help the citizens understand what happens. Is it possible for the wells to run out of water? Surely the springs could run out of water, but they haven't. But help them understand in relationship to a drought situation um, how we manage the volume of water that we use. So in a drought situation, the springs are obviously producing less water, which means we would be pumping more water to make up for what they're not producing because we always take the gravity flow first, which are the springs. And then if they start to taper off, um, we go and we, we transition into using the wells more. And that costs a little more money because we're pumping from, from great depths. But as we do that, we're able to also watch what the wells are doing. So on a regular basis, we're checking on what we call the static water level. And that is when the well isn't running, what is the groundwater level down in the earth? And we also check when we turn that well on, how far does it drop when we turn the well on to see and then how much does it replenish, how quickly. And so we're able to, to look in, in the overall system to make sure that the groundwater supply is adequate and can replenish itself, that we're not overdrawing the, the groundwater system. Well, let's talk a little bit about another area that uh, most citizens I certainly didn't know much about until a few years ago, and it has to do with water rights. Can you as a city pump as much water as you want out of a well or collect as much water as you want out of a spring? You know, it's interesting because I think most... Most citizens don't realize that all waters of the state of Utah are public property, and the state manages those. So you don't own water. What you have is a water right, which gives you the ability to use water in certain degrees. And each water right comes with a place where you can take the water out, how much you can use, and how often you can use it. And so there's rules that go with that. The city has done very well in establishing water rights. Um, our forefathers, the pioneers and so forth, um, they started using water very soon after um, people came into the Salt Lake Valley and started spreading out in the state. And the state has very good what we call um, priority water rights. And so we literally can use up to what the state has allowed us to use. And that's a great thing because as development goes, the people with the priority water rights the appropriations come first to the people that have the oldest water rights. And the city has very, very old water rights. Well, that's an interesting concept. So it's kind of like uh, having 10 chairs and having everybody on the chair, and you're always taking that first chair and saying, okay, you have the first right to be able to Mm -hmm. use the water. And once he's through using as much right as he has, then it moves to the second person when they have fulfilled it then it moves to the third person. Is that the way basically it works? Yeah, it, in concept. it does. And when the water runs out, if you're chair number five and there's no more water, then you don't get water. 
And, and that can be difficult in drought times. But that's the way Utah law works with water. And it's interesting, your comment to where you said that uh, because of the, uh, the foresight of our uh, forefathers, we have very early rights. Yes. First chair, second chair, third chair, as opposed to 10th chair. Exactly, yes. Oh, and that's really comforting to know that we're able to supply our citizens even when conditions get really bad. Well, let's talk about the amount of water right you have. Do you have enough to take care of the growth that is happening in the city? How do you manage your water rights in relationship to how the city is growing? So the city has, has water rights both for drinking water and for surface waters. And so we have shares in what we call the Springville Irrigation Company, which is a separate entity from Springville City. And those are kind of surface rights. We also have surface rights in Strawberry Reservoir, where we can pull from from reservoir water all the way from strawberry. And then we have the groundwater rights in the wells, and we have the spring rights. And so as growth occurs, when, when homes are building, for example, in the, in the agricultural areas, the developer needs to turn over the water shares that go with that parcel so he can develop. And we use those shares, and we work with the state to put those typically in the ground as an appropriation to use more out of the wells, because now we're not using it on the surface to, to water crops. And believe it or not, development uses less water than agriculture does. And so that's kind of a benefit because then we're using actually less water as people develop, and that water can be used in other places. So as these developers are developing the ground in Springville, they have a responsibility to turn over to the city, principally, uh, water to take care of those homes and take care of those businesses that they're developing this ground for. Exactly. And I, I think it's a great process that that we are able to do that because then we can assure that that development is not grabbing water from somebody else, but it's actually taking water that's there with the land. So the $64 question, as the city has a build-out, mm -hmm. uh, do we have sufficient water rights to be able to handle all the citizens in relationship to their uses? So one of the things that we've done over regularly over the years is we do what every city does. It's required by law is do a, a water master plan. And through that master plan, we look at what growth can occur and how far out the city can grow before it bumps into Provo or Spanish Fork or the lake. And we have adequate water rights, both surface and groundwater rights and spring rights, to take us all the way out to build out. Well, I think that's an important part for the citizens to understand, that there are not all cities, all cities are not in that wonderful situation. No, they're not. And so you see many times that uh, many citizens have to do rationing, they have to do different waterings and that sort of thing to protect the water availability or the water capacity that they have in those cities. And that's why this last year we never felt a need to do that because we do have enough water right as well as, as, well as water itself to be able to deliver to our citizens. Correct. Now, now realize, though, that that with climate change could change in the sense that a water right is, is a paper right that gives you the ability to use a certain amount of water. But in reality, if things keep changing, that if there's not water available, then things are going to have to change. And one of the great things that, that our citizens did this last year is um, typically we use about 20 million gallons a day in water in the summer. And our citizens last year cut back to about 17 million gallons a day because statewide the governor was asking for that to happen and our citizens responded in that. And so it's helpful to know that the people are also aware of what's going on and that we have the ability to do that. 
Well, I think that's an important thing to talk about. My comment wasn't to make it so that people could just use water haphazardly, but I think it shows the character of our citizens in being able to conserve their water when they see the drought conditions happening. And it affects all of us. So it's good for them to be able to conserve where they can conserve. But we don't see ourselves, unless things change, having to get out on rationing in relationship to watering and doing that sort of thing as far as our water rights and, and the ability to, to deliver the water. No, in fact, um, I don't see that unless things really continue to get really worse that we would ever be in that situation. The city has planned very well going forward to make sure that they have adequate water, water rights, and the ability to, to transfer as development occurs those water into the system itself. Great. Well, let's take a moment and just talk a little bit about one of your greatest challenges, not only to have the water rights taken care of, but also to have the ability to source that water out of the ground or through springs. But you have just a few miles of delivery. You have these big trunk lines. You have uh, water lines that run to the individual houses. You have some very large lines that run to some of our industrial customers. So talk a little bit about how you how that lays out in the city. So um, many people may not know that we have about 206 miles of mainline pipeline. That's a lot of miles in our community, and they range anywhere from 36-inch diameter all the way down to some 4-inch lines that we have. But the interesting part is, for the most part, our water moves from east to west. Our springs are on the east side of the community up in the mountains, and most of our wells are along the east bench. And so those, those sources are then put into tanks, and or just pump directly into the system themselves. And we have a distribution system that moves the water all throughout the community. And one of the great things is, is we've been able to, we have a listing of all our water mains, their sizes, where they're located, and how they're connected to one another. And within that, that network, we have what we call pressure zones, because as you're coming down in elevation, it's kind of like when you're diving in a pool, the further down you go, your ears start to push in. Well, the pressure gets greater. And we run our pressures between about 100, about 50 PSI to about 110 PSI. And when it gets higher than that, we'll have a pressure reducing station that drops it back to 50 and then it starts over again as the houses are going down towards the lake. And with that, then people can have their water heaters and whatever they can rely on at a, on a pressure that's not going to blow up their, their water heater or other facilities in their home. And with that pressure system that we have, it's great because we're able to modify and make sure that that everybody's receiving the right pressures. Mm -hmm. And then we're able to make sure that we're getting the amount of water to the different areas through the distribution systems that we have. Well, it's a a tremendous amount that you have to manage in relationship to all this water. And that's just one part of your job, I know. But uh, um, anything else that you'd like to share in relationship to the water and uh, your thoughts uh, on the water itself. I think, well, one thing that maybe we haven't talked about as much is is that we were talking mostly about drinking water, mm. but we also have the surface waters where we're actually using like pressurized irrigation or flood irrigation in certain parts of the community. And, and typically, for example, west of 400 West in our community, we have what we call a pressurized irrigation system. And that water that's being used in that system is not drinking water, it's actually surface waters. A lot of people are excited about the Bartholomew Pond that we Mm -hmm. have, right? And in reality, that was built to help supply our pressurized irrigation system. And then we also use it as an an amenity for going out and having a little beach there and trout fishing and so forth. 
but we run a pressurized irrigation system that allows us to use less culinary water. And so we're able to use that pressurized irrigation water, surface water, to water lawns and green spaces in our community. Now, east of 4th West, it's a little bit different because we don't have the system installed at this point. And actually, as we did our master plan studies on it, we found that it was actually cheaper to continue to provide the east side of the community with drinking water for their outdoor use also. Mm-hmm. If we did go to the bringing pressurized irrigation here, we'd have to find another reservoir higher up in elevation. And then we'd have to put that system through all of our streets now, which would mean tearing up all of our streets on the east side of the community. And so as our, as our community grows right now in the western area mostly, every, every area has pressurized irrigation pipelines installed with development, and they just tap right into that system. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, maybe as a last subject, we can talk a little bit about, and that has to do with quality of water, the uh, actual ability to, to drink something and have confidence that what you're drinking is not going to kill yourself or at least make you sick and that sort of thing. When I was a kid, uh, Springville was known for it's spring water, mm-hmm. and it would uh, there was no chlorination or anything that was inside the, the water itself. And, and But over time, the city fathers found a need to be able to, to purify that water even more. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the water quality, where we are in relationship to it, and how it's tested and the frequency. So one of the things with our drinking water that we do is we're testing um, regularly all the time. And the state has a great schedule for all communities but there were things we're testing for. For example, just bacteria samples themselves, we're testing about 40 samples per month. And so almost on a daily basis, we're testing our water somewhere in the community. We have locations that are agreed to by the state that we actually go out and we take a sample of water and send it off to a lab to make sure that it's clean. In addition to that, we're testing for lead, for nitrates, for inorganic compounds, and other things that that aren't good for us to drink, making sure that we stay within the guidelines. Springville has very good water. It actually tastes good, and it also is very clean. And so as we pull from our springs and from our wells, we're chlorinating the water um, to be able to make sure that it's clean, that we maintain what they call a residual chlorine amount in the water. Not very high. You usually can't taste it, but just enough to kill any bacteria or other organisms that might be in it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, again, this is a very important subject for our citizens, and I hope that this answered a number of questions for them to help understand really how this works. We hope that they feel comfortable. If they have other questions, they can certainly call you. They can refer the question to me, but I'll end up referring them to you (laughs) because you know the technical side and you also know probably answers to many of these kinds of questions. But I think just in conclusion, my closing comment would be, um, I'm very proud of Springville and being able to have the, the water quality that we have and the, the capacity that we have in the water rights. And most important, having the, the right personnel, certainly with, uh, with Brad and his crews. Brad, anything that you'd like to conclude no, from? I think that's been great. It's good talking with you, Mayor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode today. A huge thanks to the mayor and to Brad Stapley. Um, for their time and their expertise, uh, their leadership for our city. We are very grateful for um, all of the things that they help the city provide us with that we take for granted. Uh, I'm Jack Urquhart. I will see you next time. Have a great week.